So great to see you, everyone online, lovely to welcome you today as well, and for everyone here, great to be with you, spend some time this morning. Now then, it is holiday season, is it not? Now, I don't know if you've got any pool lovers here, or the beach lovers here, but when you go to the beach, there's kind of this, the sea calls to you, doesn't it? The waves come in, they're rippling, and when you live in the UK, and you have this excitement, I am going to go in that water now, because I'm down on the beach, you just got to go in, haven't you? But... I don't know, but are you tip, tip, dip the toe in, or you go into your shins, and then you start going deeper, and it is freezing, and it's horrible, isn't it? But you just know, I just got to go in the water, because we're down here on the beach. And all of us are different, we have different confidence levels when it comes to that. Now then, I'm not a big fan of the water personally, but I know like Tim Roller, for example, he is like a surfing expert, so wherever he goes, if it's a pool, if it's a beach, you know, he's in the water, and he goes for it. But for me, it's got to be, if you go into a pool, it's got to have a shallow end. Very important to have a shallow end, because if you go to near the deep end, I know I feel as if in a bit of trouble. Now, apparently, if you just lay calmly in water and just move your hands and feet around gently, you float. Has anyone experienced that? For me, I just kind of sink. I think I'm made of lead, right? But all of us are very different. We have different confidence levels in swimming. And going back many years ago, we did kind of like a men's event here in the church, and it was like having a little swim down Caswell. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'd like to be involved in all the church stuff that's going on. So I thought, yeah, we'll go down and have some fun. And of course, when I realized when we got there, it's like all the keen swimmers were and me. And like we ended up swimming like all these miles over to this like island place. And I realized like, as soon as I was out my depth, I was flapping around and I had to go back to the beach. And it was a bit embarrassing. But anyway, the boys who organised that event decided on the Sunday morning, just like this, just before like the kids were having the kids going up to Sunday school, they decided to give me a certificate, a golden duckling certificate, okay? Now, on the, I, I remember laughing on the outside, but on the inside I was so embarrassed and ashamed <laughs> that, you know, I right fool myself. But anyway, what... The memory that really sticks in my mind and why I'm saying this story is because what happened next was this. The children got sent out from the kids' spot into their Sunday school rooms. And Naomi was probably before my youngest, my, my daughter Naomi. Is the young. So as she was going out, and they were all going out, Naomi came to the front there, and she turned around, and she went, Well done, Dad! Like that, because she realized that my 10-meter Golden Duckling Award was a great achievement. And that memory really sticks with me. And the reason why it sticks with me, that's the first instance that I realized that my little Naomi is an encourager. She is someone who encourages us. And she didn't give a second, bat an eyelid, she didn't give a second thought. She just thought, her dad has done something great. Well done, dad. So this morning, I just want us to remember how much an encouraging word can make a difference in our lives. Now, Sean mentioned earlier, the Olympics are on, that's great. There's various events, activity, athletics, swimming, cycling, and all the rest of it. And all these different kinds of stuff, BMX, biking, and all these different kind of events which are really good, and I'm sure we've all got our favourites. Now, what struck me in one of them was um, a chap called Tom Dean won the 200 metres gold for freestyle swimming, okay? And then later on, he, he won a gold as well in the team relay. Now, as you can see, I don't know if anyone's spotted it yet, but this is the team that won the gold relay, all right? And um, true story, there is Tom Dean, there is Duncan Scott, there is James Guy, and there is Matthew Richards, who won a gold. So, 
not only has Matthew had two weddings the last couple of weeks, gone viral with his Nigerian dancing, somehow, under the radar, he's gone to the Olympics and won a gold medal. Let's give Matthew a round of applause. <laughs> of course, it's a different Matthew Richards, but I've got to say, he does look quite at home there. Fair play to him. But what I'm realizing here is the difference between like, an individual event where Tom had gone and won his gold and then the team event where four of the guys are together and they went to win their event. And of course, there's everyone in between trying hard and training and all the rest of it. And what is important to realize is, you know, we see, you know, the bright lights and the fame and the achievements of the top level guys here. But let's remember, like, everyone in between at grassroots sports, you know, youngsters growing up through the ranks and enjoying themselves and spending family time. It is so critical, you know, that people know encouragement along the way, to know people are for them and with them. And, of course, we see these people on telly as well who are doing great things. You know, they spent a lifetime dedication to their sport, to the parents taking them along and taking them to training sessions and giving up sacrificially. The coaches and the teachers and the friends egging them on along the way. The families encouraging them and helping them in that journey. Supporting them every step of the way, or in this case, every splash of the way. So that is important. So what I want to look at this morning in this second series that we've been doing this year after Easter... We're looking at the early church and how the early church got on with their lives. And the one thing I want to consider this morning is this, the role of encouragement in the early church. And how can we glean the benefits of that ourselves and keep up the good work in our li lives, okay? So that's what we're going to look at this morning, the work of encouragement in the early church. We'll spend a few moments looking at that. Well, first of all, Everyone needs an encourager in their lives. Let's think for a moment. Who are the people who are encouraging us in our lives? Who are the people who are helping us in our journey, in our friendships, in the things that we spend our time in? Who are the people who are speaking positive words into our lives, helping us, supporting us when we take the trips and the falls? Who are those who say, you know, come on, can we get back up on our feet and we can carry on this journey? Everybody needs an encourager in their lives. The early church had a great pioneer of encouragement, and his name was Joseph. And he was such an encourager that he earned this nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, he was the type of person who was drawn to people. He could just see people and encourage them. He had this heart, and such was the strength of this, this gift that he kind of had, or the, his personality, or the way he wanted to live his life, he earned his nickname, Son of Encouragement. So we read about him a few times in the book of Acts. And he gives such a significant input into the lives of others that most or a lot of the New Testament came from men who he'd already previously built up a relationship and help. There was Saul, who became Paul, and then there was Mark as well. So there's a huge impact in Barnabas's abilities to encourage others. But the first thing we see in Acts 4 is this. We hear about uh, Joseph, that he sold a field, and he gave the money that he received for his field to the apostles for use to help in those in need. So he had a generous heart as well. So not only did he have this nickname of being an encourager, he also had a generous heart, which encapsulated his life. 
and he was generous in his actions. So what I want to have a look at now is a part in Acts chapter 9, which is talking about Saul. If you remember, Saul has this um, Damascus experience where he meets Jesus. And this is a little portion from Acts chapter 9, and I'll read it to us, talking about Saul. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So, we hear about Saul. We hear that Saul has an awful reputation, persecuting Christians. He was tracking them down and he wanted them killed. He wanted to obliterate these people who were following Jesus. And this was such that Saul had this religious hate within him. And he was protecting his religion. He was protecting his tradition in the Jewish faith. And he wanted to crush Christianity. Now let's think for a moment about reputation. Each of us in our lives carry a reputation. Each of us, you know, maybe people see us as a good person, somewhere in between, you know, got a dodgy reputation, <clears throat> and we can consider that. But what I want to encourage us about this morning is that no matter in our lives, if we've had an awful reputation in our lives, do you know what? God is a life changer. He transforms us. When he gets a grip of our lives, such is his love and his grace and his forgiveness that he can really make a difference and change our lives and our reputations. It does mean that we become obedient to him. So there is, you know, our part to play as well, just as what happened with Saul. God is a life changer, a reputation changer, and he can make such a big difference in our lives. So let's be encouraged this morning that no matter where we're at in our lives, God wants to be at work in it. And even if we know people, friends that we love, family that we love, we see maybe in a tough spot or struggling in their lives or made some, you know, unsavory or difficult or wrong or difficult choices in their lives where we think, oh, I don't know if, you know, that would be the thing I would do or, you know, I don't know whether that is a wise thing to do. Let's be encouraged that God brings change and love and direction in our lives as well. So going back to Saul, he was blinded by religious hate. He was zealous in his defense of his Jewish faith. But we hear about his amazing encounter with Jesus as he approaches Damascus. We know it as the Damascus Road experience. So Saul is, you know, going about, you know, wanting to bring down the church and, you know, bring damage to the Christians. And he has this instance where he stopped in his tracks and he hears a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks, well, who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So can we see there's this like almost opposite of situations here that Saul is totally against the church of Jesus' people. But then you see Jesus coming into his life and challenging Saul. You know, why are you persecuting me? And we find out as we continue to read through Scripture that, you know, Saul changes his life and he puts his faith in Jesus and, and, you know, that is like the direction. The boat is set sail now for the rest of his life. And do you know what? Jesus wants to do that in our lives today. He wants to affect our lives. 
He wants us to journey with him in our lives, to put our faith in him, to trust him for our todays and our tomorrows as well. And for Saul, you know, because of his track record and what he was into, there was now a big problem. There was a big problem. There was this problem of trust. This is where Barnabas steps in, and he brings a positive witness regarding Saul's genuine response to Jesus. And here Barnabas builds a bridge of trust between the disciples, the apostles, and now Saul's newfound faith where he is, you know, he's preaching about Jesus, his life has been changed and transformed. But Barnabas was aware of this and he was the mouthpiece to bring friendship, to bring trust into this situation because Barnabas had realized that God has a plan for Paul's life. And it was so important to see this worked out. It is so important. Do you know what? God has a plan for each of our lives. And he really does want our lives to work out in his plans and his purposes for our lives as well. And Barnabas saw this in Paul. And he was a changed man. He had come to a place of repentance. What does repentance mean? Well, it means turning away from like a sinful life, making those decisions which are like in opposition to God and God's will. It's called sin. It's basically rebellion to God and God's ways and who he is. And that comes in many ways, shapes and forms. But here, there was a genuine turning back to Christ in Saul's life. And he becomes Paul. And he's the one who who is used in such a mighty way in his ministry, in his ministry journeys and changing people and seeing whole places and villages and towns being changed, people turning back to Jesus and turning their lives to God. So there was a trust that needed to be bonded and made up and Barnabas played a huge part in that. And the rest is history and Paul goes on to write a lot of the New Testament Well, what about Barnabas? What are the qualities that he had? Well, first of all, he was quietly influential. We don't hear lots about him. But, you know, when we have the gifts of God in our lives and we're living an obedient life to him, we can live a very influential life. All of us have influence in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in the shops that we shop in, in the places that we go. Each of us have an influence. And we can use that influence in a wise way, in a way that is, you know, subject to God and his will. When we, you know, read about the, God, uh, the Lord's Prayer, you know, we want God's will to come on earth as it is in heaven. You want to see the good stuff. You want to see the kingdom of God at work. So Barnabas was wise. He was forgiven. He encouraged Paul. He spoke truth and positivity into his life and into his situation. And he won the hearts of those around by helping them build up and not tearing down relationships. And more than that, he took a risk as well. He went with truth rather than lies and hearsay. So what he witnessed and what he knew about Paul, he wanted to speak the truth of that, the change in his life. And he wanted to see God at work in his life and all the effects around him as well. So for us, we can learn some lessons from Barnabas. We can be encouraged to know that God is at work, that Barnabas was an encouragement to others. And in that, it's very effective and very easy to do. If you have a mouth, you are able to encourage other people. 
through our words, through our actions, we can encourage others. It's easy to do and has a very quick kind of fruit to it as well. There is always someone who needs encouragement. All of us need an encourager in our lives when we're going along our journeys of life. Many of us here may have jobs which entail encouraging other people to help others in their situation, to give them hope, to give them you know, help in the next step, to help them know they're doing a good job and when the slip-ups happen, you know, we can still get up back on our feet and keep going. Each of us need that and each of us can give that. Barnabas was doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and he was taking an element of risk when he was doing that as well. So let's be assured this morning that we make the world a better place by encouraging, especially when there's God's wisdom in it. So if you want to make the world, I do, I want to make the world a better place. If you want to make the world a better place, if you want to make the world a better place, if you want to make the world a better place, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Help others. Speak the words out. Say them. Say them. So the kind of English translation or understanding of this word is the action of giving someone support, confidence, and hope. But what I want to look at here about Barnabas, it goes a little bit deeper. This son of encouragement thing, which comes from Acts 4, the kind of Greek word and phrase for this is paraklesis. And there's a real depth to the meaning. It is a call to aid. It is a call to help. It's a call to comfort others, to encourage others. And this thing about being like a son of encouragement it's like this man has a gift in teaching, in consoling, in advising and urging God's heart and will for a person. So can you see the depth of the word, the depth of the meaning here? So it's not just like a tap on the back and a well done and keep going. This is ushering in God's will, plan for people's lives. Barnabas was urging urging them to take, you know, Paul as their friend and to trust him and to see God's kingdom at work, to see people healed and transformed and changed and the poor put into a place of respect and honor for those who were in the margins of society, down and out, struggling along. You know, we just have to be the encouragers, those who make a difference, to give a voice to those who don't have a voice. And Barnabas was one stuck by the task and he was urging God's heart and will into the situation. We can know God's heart and will in our lives. Each of us can be an encourager. It goes on. This meaning goes on. It talks about having an intimate call of God. An intimate call of God. The Bible talks about that we're formed and created in his image. To know God. To have a relationship with him. And God whispers truth into our lives. And there's this intimate call to know his will for our lives, to encourage others that God loves them, has plans for them, doesn't want to see them struggling and finding difficulty. And when difficulty comes along, we know we have Jesus in place, bringing peace and help, assurance and hope for our tomorrows. There's more. There's this delivering of God's verdict into a situation. There's more. You know, we, we know God is a God of justice and truth. 
And we speak out justice and truth in our lives. This, I love this phrase, a holy urging. Have you ever, well, I'm a parent, so I'm used to, I want the best for my children. And when I see, you know, the occasions of making wrong decisions, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just want to urge you to, to, you know, to choose the right thing, to do the right thing, to live in this particular way, to make these decisions. And of course, we all make wrong decisions from time to time, and it can affect our lives. But there's this holy urging within to know the intimate call of God, to motivate and inspire people to carry out God's plans. Which is why Barnabas stuck by Paul, the evidence of God at work, the truth, that this, you know, this is such a great thing that Barnabas was doing. So when we encourage, like Barnabas, we bring a holy truth, God's heart and plan for someone else or a situation. Now, we're in the school holiday period. Anyone who knows a school teacher is a school teacher, is involved in school work. We know how much of a tough job it is, the long hours, the study, the prep, each day having to perform and bring in lessons and educate children, looking after them, keeping an eye out for them with the various abilities and backgrounds that each child has. I imagine that there might be moments in a teacher's life where they could feel a little discouraged, where they could feel a little discouraged. How could a teacher be encouraged, do you think? Well, there's a few ways we can say thank you to our teachers and those involved in, in schoolwork and, and other jobs like this. To let them know you are appreciated, your hard work and dedication makes a massive difference in a child's life and therefore their families. In fact, God loves it when adults have a heart to care for and bless children. So can you see when we see God's love for people and God's heart for people and for those who are performing or doing or serving in a way that brings you know, help into someone's life or in a, in a case of a child, you know, education and pastoral care. That is God's heart for children as well. So teachers be encouraged. You're doing a great work. The demands are hard. But press on. Teaching is like a calling of God to make a difference in our lifetime into the communities that we belong to. To teach is a great thing to do. And we encourage those who serve and we can have gratitude and appreciation to those who do serve us. To those who do serve us. And especially in this day and age, we recognize the service industry and how important that is and how much we rely on our food and our drink and our health care. You know, it really brings things under, under the microscope of the human needs and how God wants to put his hand over us and bring blessing into our lives. Going back a few weeks ago, I was out shopping in my local supermarket. And as I was at the till and just paying up for my goods, I heard this almighty crash just a few meters away from me. I don't know what had happened. So it transpired that an elderly lady was out with what seemed to be perhaps her carer. She'd leaned back on the door of the, um, the checkout and she'd fallen backwards massive crash and she was like out of it so we didn't know what had happened or what had gone on but there was this really difficult tense situation of what happens next and then of course the people are on you know on their walkie talkies etc and the manager comes down and i've seen this manager around many times 
And I always noticed, yeah, quite efficient, you know, always into things, addressing people, etc., etc. And this manager came along and really brought um, authority into the situation. Because obviously the carer had let the elderly lady go and she'd fallen over and injured herself, you know, don't know what had happened. And this person didn't want to get an ambulance or do anything like that, but the, the manager said, this person's in distress, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm calling an ambulance and took control of the situation. Now, of course, I went about my business, you know, it kind of makes you feel a little bit unsettled when you see something like that happen. And I thought, you know what, the manager did a really good job there of sorting out that situation. I wouldn't have liked to have been in that situation. So I thought the next time I see the manager, I shall say to him, I thought they did a really good job. And they, you could tell the type of person, you think, oh, they don't need any gratitude or help. They're pretty solid. You can see they get on with it. So this was like going back about a week ago now, first time I've seen them. And I just went, you know, got a bit tired, no one around, said, hi, I was here a few weeks ago. I noticed there was an incident when an elderly lady fell over. I just want to say, I thought you did a really good job of sorting out that situation. That looked really difficult to sort out. And they were like, really, oh, thank you so much for that feedback. That means so much. This job is really difficult. You won't believe the kinds of things we've got to go through doing this job. And they really had this sense of, oh, thank you for letting me know. Did a good job. So when it, we talk about gratitude and encouraging others and you know, saying well done and good job, that makes a big difference. We may not think it does, but it does. It does. Okay? And you think of all the people now with social media and with the media and all those who are in authority, they can so easily be slated and brought down. Let's remember the difficulty of the task. So let's bring blessing and encouragement into others as well. And for those of us who are parents and carers out there, I just want to say, keep on going and well done. Because caring for other people, having responsibility for other people, I can't think of anything more demanding Becoming a parent myself in my 20s, I literally, you know, you read the books, you see other people, how they do it, and then you get back on this journey yourself. It is like, wow, I've never experienced anything like becoming a parent before, and everything is new, and you do your best. And I know sometimes when I talk to other parents, sometimes they feel, oh, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, you know, of parenting. You know, this goes wrong, that goes wrong, the child is this, the child is that. That is just life. I just want to encourage us this morning that God has a heart for us. He has a heart for our children where those are put in place to be their carers, to be their parents, to be those who are responsible for them, pastorally, loving them, etc., etc., etc. And I've yet to meet the 100% perfect parent. But all the parents I do meet, usually they really want the best for their children. And I just want to encourage us that when we have this Amazing responsibility for God. Just let us know God's, you know, voice in, in it, in our caring and in our parenting. He is with us and he is for us. You know, we're the ones investing in them. You know, do, your, do what you can and allow God into the situations in our kids' lives. Keep on going. Keep on doing what you can do. And it does pay off in the long run. Who knows what our positive input into others can achieve. Just like Barnabas that we read about and what happened then in the New Testament and in Paul's life. So the second thing and the last thing I wanted to talk about this morning was that, you know, 
Encouragement comes through like the words that we use. And they play such an important role in building others up or negatively tearing people down as well. That's why, you know, when the words go out in our lives, they kind of, whatever we said, is kind of, it's been done now. And they've gone up, then the person's heard them. So, obviously, we can build others up or we can tear people down. So, as Christians and those who recognize the love of God in our lives, what is important, I suppose, for us to, to know is like the God-forgiveness side of things and the, and the graciousness in our words. Of course, we can, like Sean did a great talk on patience last week, we can get impatient and, you know, we can get annoyed and angry and maybe shout out or say words which don't have a good effect, okay? But I want to encourage us this morning that we keep on continuing to grow, to develop character, godlike character, in our words and in our speech, because as soon as those words go out, they're out there. But then, equally, as those who are growing and maturing and building Christian character, how we receive words and respond to them is important, and to be a people who are able to say sorry, to apologize for my words, for the things which may have affected you or hurt you or brought upset or brought damage and now have kind of caused a bit of friction in our relationship. Of course, none of us want to live a life where there's friction in our relationship all the, all the time. So that's why when we come to God, I say, God, you know, you forgive me and, and I'm grateful for that and I'm going to forgive others. Help me today to get those words right, to get my attitude right, to be gracious and kind in my words. Proverbs 18.4 says this, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. I love that. It gives us this idea that wise words bring us life. It is life-giving and sustaining. Think of a bubbling brook, like a fast-flowing stream. We think of, we're out in the countryside, and there's air, and there's space, and there's this sound of the bubbling brook. It's replenishing and refreshing. And we can drink from it, or we can dip our toes in it on a hot summer's day, and it brings us life and vibrance, and we find as if, you know, there's more to life. There's a bigger world out there. There's the words that flow from the wise, like a bubbling brook, the importance of our words. And, of course, wise words are like deep waters. What does deep waters talk about? It talks of depth, weightiness, substance it's immeasurable so when we choose wise words they are hard hitting there's depth to them there's integrity there's substance it's immeasurable so let our words be wise if we want to learn wisdom we can read proverbs for example and look through them and we can see the slants of what good stuff godly stuff does and what the other stuff does as well and the repercussions of that who here has that relative or friend that when you go and visit them, remember those days when you go and visit people? When you go and visit them, it'll be like, oh, you put on weight. Or you could really do with a shave. Not you, ladies. Looks like your hair could do with a wash. There's creased, your top is. Have you ever heard of an iron? And there's a street. Has anyone got like a friend or a relative like that? Well, maybe not, but I have. Um, I won't tell you what it is. You don't know them anyway, so it's okay. But anyway, and then you think, also, I feel a bit discouraged. Well, I'm not surprised, really. It's because words can have such an effect, unless, of course, we're really thick-skinned and don't care. But I'm not thick-skinned. So 
Who here then has that friend that when you see them, it's, oh, I like your top. That really suits you. Oh, nice heels. That's a nice handbag. Is that new? Not you, gents. Thanks for your help. That, I really appreciated your help in that. Great to see you. How's your day been? Who has that friend? I got a few friends like that. It really helps my life. It's lovely. I love it. So we can build up and tear down with our words and our observations. And it reminds me of a great quote from Proverbs 17:22 in the message version. It says this, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave your bones tired. Have you ever experienced that? So much doom and gloom that even your bones feel tired. You know, worry, anxiety drains us. It drains the life out of us. So we love it when someone brings the refreshment of encouragement, the love of God, that we can do this. We can keep on going. You are great. In the slip-ups, it's okay. God loves us. He's at work in us. And when the gloom and doom clouds appear, God, you know, save us from that. Help us in our todays and our tomorrows to know you, to know your grace, to know your strength in the tough times as well. And finally, just in closing, we hear an account of Jesus reassuring his disciples when there was uncertainty and worry. In John 33, Jesus said this, In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when we know this understanding of God, and understand, yes, there is certainly trouble in the world, and yes, I have certainly experienced trouble in my life, we can know that Jesus has gone before us. He has done something that has changed history by coming to the earth, to dine on the cross, to be raised again, so that you know, anyone can hear about him and put their faith in him. It's up to us if you want to do that. But, God, but Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome the difficulties of sickness and difficulties in our health. Because we know that we, we can get healed, but we know that when the end comes, there is an eternity where there is no grief, there is no sickness. We promise that. And we have eternity in our hearts. The Bible talks about you know, we want to live forever. We want to know the reality of life. And God promises that eternal life. And Jesus says, you know, I have overcome the world. I have overcome these difficulties. He conquered death through the Easter story of being raised again and imparting his love and his blessing upon the early church and giving us the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our lives today. Even now, in 2021, those who are sitting here today, sitting at home, we can know the Holy Spirit at work in our lives in such a real way. And we can know that. And we can know Jesus' peace even in times of trouble. And what is good, I think, is to recognize times of trouble. When things have gone wrong and pear-shaped, maybe through our own decisions or maybe through decisions of other people or just circumstances which, you know, who knows how that happened. We can allow Jesus into those times and into our heart. So, let's seek to be wise with our words.
as we can bring life and encouragement and also to take heart when things are tough that we can know peace that Jesus has our backs covered and there are times that lay ahead where Jesus can be right in the midst of everything that is going on. So let's close our eyes and I'll pray to finish. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit just to perhaps speak something into our hearts now. Yes, Lord, we find ourselves just like on a normal Sunday morning taking a time out to spend time with one another here and to glean something of you for us today that you know us and you've called us by name. And each of us have different life experiences and different seasons of life, maybe even where we have been obedient and following you and even seasons of times where, you know, no thank you, I just want to do my own thing. But Lord, you are at work. You are bigger than us, Lord. And this morning, again, we come to you with humble hearts and we ask for your input in our lives. We know that you are at work, Lord, and we trust in your words, the words that we read through your word, Lord, the promises and the love and the compassion and the forgiveness. And this morning, just as the early church was transformed by Barnabas' encouragement and lives were changed through him and through his actions, for us, Lord, may we take those little steps of being encouragers to say thank you when we can say thank you, to breathe life and encouragement to those people who may be struggling, even those people, Lord, who have terrible reputations, who are really in a dark place, that even the love of God can reach those people through our words as well, because you are a life changer, you are a life transformer, and there's no one else we love more than you, Lord, in our lives. We're grateful to you this morning. May your peace, your love, and your forgiveness fill our hearts, and may we have a heart of faith this morning, that you are a changer of circumstances. You are one who can bring the life and love and light of God into every place, that light shines into the dark places and it illuminates the heart and love of God. In Jesus' name, amen.